Great. So uh, good morning again, everybody. <laughs> oh, you need to be a little bit more awake than that this morning. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> ah, it's better. It is so great to have each and every one of you here. If you are a guest with us today, my name's Kevin, in case you couldn't tell that by shouting it out. I'm the lead pastor here at Greenbelt. And uh, this Sunday uh, marks Greenbelt's 45th year of ministry. Woo! Isn't that pretty crazy? How many of you have been here for those 45 years? I know there's a few hands that will go up. They're serving and they're doing a bunch of stuff and working hard. They've been working hard for 45 years here. Uh, There's a few of you, but it's amazing how church works, right? And in a season of a life that a church lives, it changes and it changes and it changes. But God is doing amazing things through his church, our family here, and churches all across our city and around the world. So I'm really excited to be kicking off this, uh, this uh, 45th season of ministry as a church. And uh, this reminded me of a story of a, of a mom who was uh, getting ready for church on a Sunday morning. And she was doing her regular getting ready for church routine. You know, she kind of made sure the kids were awake. And then she just started going off and, you know, taking her shower and doing her hair and making sure her clothes were nice and finding her Bible and, and getting all organized. And then she kind of looked at her watch and realized, oh, my goodness, I'm like, like, 15 minutes late. I'm way behind schedule. She starts going into a panic, starts yelling at everybody, starts freaking out and banging on doors. And then she walks up to one bedroom and her son is still sound asleep. Right. So, and you parents, you relate to this, right? This has happened if you've got kids, right? And so she's banging on the door. It's like, get up, get up, get up, get up. We got to go to church. And the son is like, I don't want to go to church. Like, get up. You're going to church. No, I'm not going. It's like, well, why not? It's like, well, because church is boring and the people are mean and it's completely irrelevant to my life. Why should I go? And the mom goes, because you're 46 years old and you're the senior pastor. <laughs> now, sadly, it's funny, but we know the reason this is funny is because in a lot of places, this is reality. That church is boring, that the people are mean, and that it is completely irrelevant to my life. And as we're starting this 45th year of ministry, I am here to tell you that's a bunch of garbage. It's a bunch of garbage because as we look at the Bible together, God has got a picture for the church, which is so amazing which is so incredible, it actually blows away any perceived perception that you and I may have of what the church is supposed to be. And so let me ask you this. When you were getting ready, maybe you were banging on doors, yelling at kids and stressing out to get out here. And How many of you, and don't show your hands because I don't want to single anybody out, but I just want you to think about this. How many of you were actually in your car on the way here excited to come? Yeah, you can raise your hands if you want, but you don't have to. How many of you are excited? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> excited when you're in the car. Like, because this is the reality, right, of the world that we live in. We're busy. There's stuff to do. We're stressed out. And, and there's a lots of things that we can like about the, our church, right? We can like the worship, the music. We can like the sermons. We can like the kids' programs. We can like the people. And those are all really, really good things, but there's something missing in that. And it's very easy for us to miss it if we're not careful, 
Because we can look at the outside stuff and forget why God even created the church to begin with. So what we're going to do for the next three weeks is we are doing a series that I've called This Is What We Do. For three weeks, we're going to talk about this is what we do. This is who we are as a church. Cam and I, we were talking about this series, and we got all excited about it, and we started talking about doing these videos and things like that, and we are going to get me singing, This is how you do it. <clears throat> this is how you do it. But we ran out of time, and we didn't get to do it, so I was very disappointed. I was so looking forward to putting that video together. Uh, maybe next week. I doubt it. But what we're going to do for the next three weeks is this is kind of like what I call kind of a vision and mission series to help us get excited about what God is doing among us. And if you're new, this is a season where a lot of people are moving into the city. People are moving in and checking things out. And I hope that this would be kind of um, helpful for those of you who are considering making this your church home, that this is what we do. This is what we are about. And we're going to do this. I want to start this series off. We're going to look at an Old Testament passage. Kind of in the middle of your Bible, there's a book called Isaiah. If you want to turn to the book of Isaiah, we're going to look at chapter 61. It's right, almost right in the middle of your Bible if you're not familiar with it. If you open it up. We believe every home should own a Bible, so you can keep that as our gift to you today. So if you're not familiar with this Isaiah guy, let me just kind of set it up a little bit. Um, Isaiah lived about 700 years before Jesus was born. And Isaiah had one of those jobs that sometimes the job was really, really good, and sometimes the job was really, really bad. He had the job title of prophet. And prophets, the reason why sometimes it was good is because the prophet would come and bring the people of God good news, right? The prophet would come and say, hey, our enemies are going to be destroyed. Woohoo! That's good news. Hey, God is going to bless us with a crop and with rain. Woohoo! That's good news. But most of the time, prophets were not very popular because they would bring bad news. Um, you are so far from God right now, and God is really upset with you. But don't tell me that. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. It feels good to me. I'm going to do whatever the heck I want. Yeah, but if you don't stop, God's going to do something about it. I don't care. Stop bringing me this bad news. I want to live any way that I want. And so the people of Israel were kind of in this season of their history where some people really wanted to follow God and other people wanted to follow the kind of these pagan gods from other nations. And there was all this infighting going on amongst God's people that they actually split. Probably one of the first church splits <laughs> happening here. And it split into two nations. You had the one nation in the north. You had Israel in the north. And you had Judah splits down into the south part of the nation. And what was happening, there was this other group of people that were rising up in power called the Assyrians. And the Assyrians are basically taking over. They're wiping everybody out. And Isaiah gets this message that he has to bring to the people of Judah, because of your sin, because you have turned so far from God, 
God is going to allow these Assyrians to come in and take you captive. Well, that's pretty bad news. We don't like that. But even in the midst of this bad news, in chapter 61, Isaiah gives them a promise of not only good news, but of great news. That even in their hardship, even in their captivity, even in their slavery, there's good news coming. And so this is what the prophet Isaiah writes to God's people in chapter 61. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Let me just jump down to, now to verse 10. It says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he hath clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me, arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as the bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Right? This is a powerful description of the work that God is going to do in the world. Despite all the bad stuff that's going on. Despite the slavery and the captivity and the armies coming in and wiping everybody out, this is a promise to God's people of this is the work that God is going to do. Now, Jesus, 700 years later, is in a synagogue. And the synagogues were kind of the local places where the people in their village would go to, to worship and to study and to hear the word of God proclaimed. They would go there regularly instead of having to go all the way to the temple in Jerusalem. And so Jesus is in one of these synagogues, and he, he's given a scroll to read to the people there. And he reads them this scroll, Isaiah 61. I'm anointed good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives. I'm going to set them free. We're going to comfort all those who mourn. I'm going to bestow a crown of beauty. We're going to give joy. I'm going to bring praise. I'm going to be called an oak of righteousness. Jesus reads all of this. He closes the scroll. And then he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He takes the microphone and he drops it and he walks off the stage. It was the ultimate mic drop. And everybody in the room is going, what just happened? Because they're, they've been waiting 700 years for this promise to be fulfilled. They've been waiting for this Messiah to come who was going to free them from the Roman captors. Who are going to bring back Israel to its place of beauty and prominence as a key nation. 
And Jesus says, today, this is fulfilled. Crowd goes crazy. Half the people want to kill him. A quarter of the people think he's a nut job. And a very small percentage of people go, this is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's come. And the nation is divided again over who Jesus is. And then Jesus goes about his ministry. He's healing people. He's healing the blind. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's telling people about this kingdom of God that's available. He's telling people just to repent of your sins, come to know God. That it's not about these rules and these traditions and all of these things that we man-made stuff that we put into place to try to please God. It's that the kingdom of God is here. And this is where it gets incredibly exciting for us as the church. Because Jesus goes and he does all of these things. He shows the people that he is the fulfillment of this promise of Isaiah 61. He does all of these things that we read about here. And then Jesus says this to his followers. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And he will do even greater things than these. Now, I know there's a part of us that feels like that's um, not a cool thing to say. That, um, well, he's Jesus. And we as a church believe that Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a good moral man. He's not Mr. Rogers telling you to love your neighbor. We believe Jesus is God. That's why they killed him. He was arrested and tried and executed for calling himself God. You don't get killed on a Roman cross for saying love your neighbor and put on your cardigan and your nice slippers. Okay? You get murdered by the religious elite when you declare yourself to be God. That's blasphemy. And Jesus says, you who believe in me will do even greater things. Wow. That blows my mind. And when, as a church, we, 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 we settle, we, we, we just kind of go through religious motions, we, we put on our Sundays, we do our little programs, we do these things. But Jesus says the reason that God created the church was to do even greater things things than what jesus did when he was here so what we want to be doing and actually let me go back to isaiah 63 uh, 61 sorry in verse 3 right at the very end when isaiah said this he said they will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the lord for the display of his splendor he's saying the people of god The purpose of the people of God is to be a living display of God's splendor. That was true for the people of Israel, and now we are the people of God, his church. Our purpose is to be a living display of God's splendor. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to hit on this theme. And the theme is this. That we are the display of God's splendor. And we do this by knowing, living, and sharing Jesus. Right? Every church has got the same call. 
every church has the same mission, to display God's splendor. Now, every church is going to do it a little bit differently based on their personality and based on how God blesses them and, and, and kind of the specific details that God calls that church. But we as Greenbelt, we as a church family, we are the display of God's splendor, and we do this by knowing, living, and sharing Jesus. If you've been coming here for a little while, you would have seen uh, this graphic at some point. It's not the, the greatest graphic in the world. It's just three little circles. Okay, and these three little circles, I mean, this is really high tech. Like we're, 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 we're just like incredibly blessed with like the best graphic designers in the city. And uh, we're just like, man, we're kicking it, just kicking it for Jesus when it comes to the graphic design. Okay, but what we've done as a church a number of years ago, church has a tendency to naturally think of itself. That is our default in our fleshy nature. Our default is to think of me. Well, I don't want to go to that church because my needs are not being fulfilled. Well, I didn't like what the pastor said. Well, I don't like the programming. I didn't like the music. Me, 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 mine, 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 I, I, I. And so what we do as church leaders is we're, we're upset. No, sorry. We, we make sure that the Christians who come to our church are not upset because if the Christians start getting upset, they might leave. And if you leave, you might leave with your checkbook. And if you leave with your checkbook, then we can't pay the bills and we can't pay the staff. And everyone gets panicky about that. And so we have to keep the Christians happy instead of being obedient to what the Bible said. And we can waste years and years and years as a ministry trying to keep Christians happy and forget that we're supposed to be about displaying God's splendor. So what we did a number of years ago is we basically axed everything here. All of the classes, all of the seminars, all of the programs, the men's ministry, women's ministry, all these different things that were keeping us very busy. And we streamlined everything around these three circles. And what we've been saying for the seven years that I've been here is that to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, to help you display God's splendor in life, we want you to do these three things. We want you to come on Sunday. We want you to find a ministry to serve in, and we want you to find a small group to be a part of. And these are very, very important for us. And today I want to kind of start this off. We're going to talk about these three circles, and we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about it. And I want to talk about the first point. So if, if we are the display of God's splendor, and Greenbelt does this by knowing, living, and sharing Jesus, today I want to kick this off, and we're going to talk about knowing Jesus. We're going to talk about knowing Jesus. A number of years ago, there was um, a family who had come to our church here, and you know, like people do, and they were just coming to check Greenbelt out to see if it was a good fit for them. You know, came for a couple of weeks, filled out a connection card. I got their email address and touching base with them and starting to answer some of their questions. And then, and then um, I got an email from them. They said, well, you know, we just decided that we're not going to make uh, Greenbelt our church. Well, that's cool. I am okay with that. I, have, I am not trying to grow this church. I am not trying to grow my I want people to find the church that they fit in that they can be plugged into the life of, that they're behind the mission and the vision of it, and they will grow spiritually. I'm all for that. 
So it doesn't bother me at all when someone says, Greenbelt's not for me, we're going to go somewhere else. And, I, and then I put the feelers out there because I, I like to know, right? Maybe there's some stuff I can learn, some stuff I can improve. So why did you decide that you don't want to come? And I get this email back, and the email said, well, we didn't really like the church because you talk about Jesus too much. Interesting. That is fascinating for me. You don't want to go to a Christian church because they're talking too much about the Christ. (laughs) See, you and I live in a culture today that is totally fine with God. God is a non-issue in our culture today. You can say any crazy, wackadoo spiritual thing you come up with. You can make up today your own religion if you want to. And because we live in this pluralistic society where every opinion is okay, everybody's got to say, wow, that's awesome. Good for you. That's, that's wonderful. Tell me more. <laughs> okay, and we're all politically correct, and we don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> right? That was better than my, um, normally I do southern accents when I make fun of people. I figured it wasn't very nice making fun of our southern brothers and sisters with all they're going through down there. But uh, this is what's going on, this, this idea of... Knowing God is fine. Spirituality is fine. But as soon as you bring up the name Jesus, everyone seems, and I'm going to quote the Joker here from Batman, everyone loses their flipping minds. (laughs) Because suddenly Jesus becomes a division. Suddenly Jesus becomes offensive to people. And why is that? Isn't it just another thing? That's just fine. You believe in Jesus. I believe in karma. I believe in this. I believe in this. Like, what's the big deal? Why do people lose their minds when we talk about Jesus? The reality is, when it comes to your faith journey, when it comes to us as a church family, everything hinges on knowing Jesus. Everything hinges on knowing Jesus. Look at what Jesus told his followers. I'm going to jump over to John chapter 14. And just just listen to this. John chapter 14 is a fascinating chapter because Jesus is about to be crucified. Jesus knows he's going to be betrayed. Jesus knows he's going to be arrested. Jesus knows he's going to die for the sins of humanity. He knows this. It's bothering him. It's weighing on him. And he goes to his closest friends, and he tells them that this stuff is going to happen. Right? And Peter freaks out, no way, no how, this is never going to happen, not on my watch. I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to do everything, and I'll die with you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you won't. You're going to take off on me as soon as as the crowds come. And Peter does. He takes off on them. And and he's saying, and then in their sorrow of hearing that Jesus is going to die, Jesus tries to bring them some comfort. He says, no, no, I have to go. Because I'm going to a place to prepare a room for you. I have to return to the Father. I'm going to prepare this place, and one day you're going to be in that place with me. And then I pick up the story, and Jesus says, you know, and you know where I'm going, and you know how to get there. And then in John chapter 14, Thomas says this in verse 5. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can you say that we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you've seen him. 
Well, and then Philip jumps up and he says, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. And Jesus answers to Philip. He says, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the work itself. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Everything hinges on Jesus, on knowing Jesus. This is why when I preach and I say, you know, if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus, 99% of what I say, you're off the hook. Because for some reason, we as the church love quoting the Bible to non-Christians, telling non-Christians how they should live. The problem is most of the New Testament is written to Christians. It's written to Christians to clean up our act. Why? So that we may be the splendor of God's glory. It's not about us slapping non-Christians around. If you're here today or you're watching this online and you're a non-Christian who's been slapped around by the church, I am sorry that happened to you deeply and truly because we are supposed to be the display of God's splendor. So everything is hinged on knowing Jesus. So how do we do that here as a church family? I'm going to talk about three different things. Just, and some of you, you've already, you already know this stuff. We've been talking about some of this stuff for years. But again, if you're new, uh, you'll hear this for the first time, and hopefully this will get you excited about being a part of this church. Um, three things that we do to help each and every one of us, myself included, to, be, to grow in knowing Jesus. The first is this. is something that we call unapologetic preaching. Unapologetic preaching. When you saw our three bubbles, one of the bubbles was Sunday. <laughs> we believe Sunday to be incredibly important in our faith journey as Christians. Right? And I get it. We live in a culture today, we're all busy. I'm busy. And so and you're looking at me going, Yeah, but Pastor, you have to come to church every Sunday. We pay you to do that. <laughs> okay, find someone to pay you <laughs> to show up. <laughs> okay. I get it. We're busy. We have stuff going on in our lives. Uh, and Sunday can easily just become another thing. Well, I'll go to it when, I, when, I, when I'm available. I'll go to it when, I'm, when, I'm, when it makes sense. I'll go to it when it fits my schedule, right? And, and so there's this danger. We also live in this culture where there's tons of stuff. Well, why do I have to go to a church? I can actually watch a better sermon online. And I'm all into the online stuff. That's why we live stream the services. That's why we do all the social media stuff. But that's not to replace this, <laughs> For me, the online stuff is to get this message out there to people who will never walk into the door here so they can see what's going on. Just a few weeks ago, I was talking with a a, a local politician here who actually checked out our service through Facebook Live. And I was talking to this politician, and this politician was like, holy smokes, your church is crazy. Like, it's, it's psychotic. Like, it's, there's lights. And, and he, I think he caught the one when we had the lights all jumping in the background. And, and I think I started jumping or something like that. And he was like, I've never seen anything like that before. It was fun and it was exciting, were his words. And I chickened out and I forgot to invite him because I was, you know, stupid. Okay. But 
That's the point of that. It's not to replace this gathering because we believe that part of this gathering is so that you can sit under what we call unapologetic preaching. Right? It's when the church preaches the authority of God's word without apology. I get it. There is stuff in here that I don't like. There just is. You know, when it talks about sex, you know, and it says sex is for marriage, and it's like, well, it would be a lot more fun to just sleep around. Or being generous with our money. Well, it would be much more fun to spend all my money on me. Like, there's stuff in here I don't like. But this is the authority. If we make anything else the authority, we're in trouble. If we make our feelings the authority, what we will do is we'll start running churches that are giving messages on Sunday to help you feel so light and fluffy and feel better. Next week, we're going to start a new sermon series on how to have a new teenager in seven weeks. Next week, we're going to do a sermon series on uh, how, to, how to make sure your grass is nicely mowed and your garden looks so pretty. <laughs> Next year, we're going to do a sermon series on how to have the best life that you can have. <laughs> right? we, we start getting all focused on the warm and the fuzzies. But we have to preach what this book tells us without apology. Without apology, right? And that was the, that was the ministry of Jesus. That was the, um, the ministry of the apostles. And it's what we're called. We will never display God's splendor if I am sitting in my office, me and my wisdom, trying to come up with something witty and smart and funny and inspiring. I'm not that intelligent. <laughs> I'm not. I'm really not. I've got nothing that can help you grow in your life apart from this book. I was once counseling a couple whose daughter had committed suicide. And they were non-Christians, and they were coming to me as a pastor going, we need hope, we need comfort. And I'm like, I've got nothing. All I can do is promise you that Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. And I don't even know what that means. But that's all I got. So we have to unapologetically say what the Word of God says, right? And that was... Paul's mission, right? Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. He said, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and him crucified. Right? And then he said this in the same book in chapter 1, verse 23. Paul writes, We preached Christ crucified, a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Because we believe that this is the living word of God. We believe that this is important, that this is a path. This is a light to our path. This is bread of life. This is, we need to know this. Right? This is why we preach it. This is why we won't apologize for it. But it's crucial in helping us know Jesus. Just like Philip, you and I live in a culture today where so many people are going around going, well, show me God. Show me God. Just show me God. Like, I I want to know this God. I want to know this God that you believe in. And Jesus' response is, look at me. When I talk to people who want to try to get to know God, you know what I tell them? Get to know Jesus. Because Jesus is God. He is the representation, the visible of the invisible. He is God on earth, God in flesh, here for us to see and witness I love the movie The Shack. 
even though it had huge holes in its theology. Okay, don't, don't send me emails about the, the theological holes in the shack. I know them. Okay, I've studied them, and they're huge. But I had one scene in the movie where this guy, Mac, is hanging out with Jesus. And he said, out of, out of the three, Father, Spirit, and Son, you're the one I relate to the most. And Jesus laughs and says, yeah, because I'm human. <laughs> fully God, fully man. Came so that he could be made known, so that we can relate to him. You don't know God? No. Jesus, when I talk to people who are brand new Christians, well, what part of the Bible should I study? Because I think I really should do a study on the end times and find out if President Trump is the Antichrist or not. No, he's a moron. You don't think he's the Antichrist. (laughs) Okay, but it's like, no, it's like, read about Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Paul's whole ministry was about, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. There's so many other things we can get distracted by as a church. I want to learn this. 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 And you barely know Jesus. So we do this first and foremost by proclaiming uh, unapologetically the word of God, unapologetic preaching. Right? The other thing that we do in order to help us know Jesus better is something that we're calling intentional discipleship. And I know this is a loaded buzzword thing. Uh, what this means is that we will be intentional at every single age group in this church to help people know Jesus better. That's all discipleship means. Discipleship means follow Jesus and become more like Jesus. Discipleship doesn't mean Christian education, doesn't mean seminary degree. It means becoming more like Jesus. So we will do everything, anything short of sin to help people know Jesus better at every age group. We're going to, you know, because the reality is every single one of you in this room are at a different spot, right? Some of you are here and you don't believe in Jesus and that's cool. I love it. I'm I'm so glad you're here. I have no problem. I love when non-Christians come to church. I think it's amazing. I think it's great, right? Maybe you're, so maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today and you know a little bit about Jesus, but you've kind of stalled for some reason. And others, you know, you know Jesus and you're growing by leaps and bounds. We're all at a different spot. So we have to be intentional on how we all walk with one another through this, right? And the best way that we put in place to do this is what we call our life groups. That's that small group circle that was on the screen. We've gotten too big for simply Sunday morning to be your only step in your journey of becoming like Jesus. (laughs) Because I can't hit in one sermon what everybody is going through. This is what I like to call crowd ministry. It's like I'm preaching to the crowd. I'm throwing seed out there. I'm throwing the word of God. Hopefully some of it sticks in a way that's more than just good job, pastor. I like it that when it actually is changing people's lives. Freaks me out when some of you come up. Remember that time when you said four and a half years ago? No, (laughs) but praise God you do. (laughs) Because that's the point. I don't have to remember it. God speaking to you. He already spoke to me in other ways, too, as I prepped this stuff. Right? So, but we want everyone in that life group where you're studying this together, where you're holding each other accountable in knowing this stuff and applying it into your life. Right? We do this in our youth ministry as well. Like Youth ministry is awesome. You can have like all the big Nerf nights and all the big fun and all the games, but ultimately it's not about that. It's about these students knowing Jesus. And we break up that ministry. We get rid of the big crowd and we put them all into small groups with their leaders so they can learn more about Jesus. We do this in our kids' ministry. In kids' ministry, we are not trying to do what is called Christian moralism. 
be a good girl or be a good boy. I don't want good girls and good boys in our kids' ministry. I want followers of Jesus. Little kids who put their faith in Jesus are not the church tomorrow. They're the church right now. Jesus said, on to me, all the little children. Don't hinder them. Those of us who hinder them, we should be thrown in the ocean with a big rock around our neck. That's what Jesus said. (laughs) Because they're the church now. We can learn from their faith. Right? So we want them to be that. Right? And so one of the things that we're, we're looking at with this intentional discipleship is something new because we do realize in, in the growing of, of knowing Jesus that we found as elders that there are some gaps. And we've talked a little bit about this, but we're going to be starting in October um, this new thing called Grow. Now, if you're here today and you've been here, you, you know, already know about Grow to Grow. That's not new. We've been doing that for a year and a half. Well, Grow is changing more than just being this leadership thing once a month. We're going to start offering grow once a week, but it's going to be broken up into small modules. And what we're going to do is I've been meeting with leaders this week and teachers this week, and we're going to start offering on Friday nights. Again, we don't want to be this church that gets so busy and gets all crazy with all this different stuff, but there's some stuff that we feel people need to learn to help them know Jesus better. We're going to start offering these modules Friday night, and we're going to start off, um, we're going to do like a four-week module on the doctrine of the Bible. If your non-Christian friend at school or your non-Christian colleague at work comes up to you and says, well, okay, prove to me that the Bible is the word of God. Can you do that? Nope. Then you need to be at Grow on Friday night in October. (laughs) Okay? More information is going to be coming about that. Four weeks. And what we're hoping is maybe even some of the life groups that are meeting during the week say, hey, you know what? Why don't we all go do that together for four weeks? That way you're not necessarily out for two nights in one week. So more information is going to be coming about these, this change that we're doing with our GROW training. Because, again, knowing Jesus is foundational. Everything is built on this knowing Jesus. And then the last thing that I want to focus on for a little bit when it comes to being a church that is knowing Jesus so that we could be a display of God's splendor is the idea of unceasing prayer. Unceasing prayer, right? Prayer is a big part of our relationship as followers of Jesus to help to get to know him better, right? Prayer is those times when we, it's not that we go to Jesus with our wish list. This is my sermon outline. It's not a wish list, but just imagine it's a wish list. And you have all, I want this, 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 I want this. Jesus, do this, Jesus, do this, Jesus, do this, Jesus, do this. That's a part of prayer. Jesus said, ask, so we've gotten really good at asking. We've gotten less good with listening. <laughs> Just to sit in the presence of God. Quietly in prayer. When God, what do you want me to do today? Silence bugs us. My ADHD and my LMNOP and everything else that I take meds for it drives me crazy in silence but there's a spiritual discipline in being still before god in prayer unceasingly means we do it all the time prayer should be the natural default out of our relationship for knowing jesus right we will run to jesus in prayer when life is hard or when there's problems bad stuff happening but when everything's good I've got it. I'm doing it on my own. I don't need Jesus. 
But we run to him when it's bad. So we need to listen to him. And that's what I love about this whole book, Isaiah. Isaiah, it, it reads like a prayer. Like if you don't know how to pray, take this passage that we looked at today, the last verses of Isaiah 61, and just sit down in a chair, a quiet spot in your house, and say, God, I delight greatly in you. My soul rejoices in you, God. You've clothed me in the garments of salvation. You've arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. That's a great prayer prayer to pray every day. It reminds you of who you are in Jesus. You're not some dirty, rotten sinner. You're a saint loved by God, right? So we need to be praying these prayers. These things are a great way to help us know him better, to listen to him and how he wants us to know him personally, right? So this is what we do as a church. And what I love about God is God is the type of God, if we do just a little, if we make a small change to our life, God is a multiplying God. And when we do just a little bit, God takes our faithfulness, he takes our little bit, and he multiplies it greatly. That's the whole story. The little tiny seed that is planted, what does that create? doesn't create a tree. It creates a forest. Because it creates a tree that can make trees, that can make trees, that can make trees. We do just a little bit. And God multiplies it. So my challenge for all of you as we kick off this 45th year of ministry is what are you going to do this year? Something a little bit new. Something you're going to try that you've never tried before in helping you to know Jesus. Maybe for you and and your family, that's about making Sunday morning more a priority. Right? Not making Sunday just a leftover thing. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You're here. But some of you came late. Maybe you could show up on time. Maybe that's your little step. I even changed the service by half an hour to help you out. And you're still coming in late. Well, we don't like worship. Oh, then we're going to talk next week, okay? And learn a little bit more about worship, okay? But maybe that's what you can do, is making that Sunday more of a priority. Maybe for you, it's joining a life group. I've never been in one before. I'm not comfortable with it. You know, we, we set up our life groups in such a way, it, and we ask people who've never been in a group before, try it for four weeks. Four weeks. It won't kill you. It won't kill you. It's four weeks. Give it a shot. See what God does. Take that little And the way that you can do that, our groups are starting to get started. They're, they're, uh, we're starting to update our lists and our leaders. And still, but hopefully by next week, it'll all be settled. But if you download the church app, there's a big button there that says join a life group. Or if you go on the church website and it says, what do we do? Go to life groups. There's a link there. Click that. And you'll see all the groups that are available. What nights they meet, which ones are for men, which ones are for women, which ones are for anybody. And just say, I want to join it. That leader will get an email. They'll contact you and they'll give you all the details. Maybe that's your little step this year. Maybe for you, your little step is to attend Grow. That's going to be happening in mid-October. You'll see more information coming about that in our weekly email and in our church app. To start making yourself available on Friday nights to learn a little bit more and grow a little bit more in knowing Jesus. Maybe for some it's about making prayer a higher priority and not just praying a, do, a to-do list or a, a want list, but praying to just be with God. Because you and I, 
we come to this place not out of tradition, not out of obligation, not out of just because it's something we've always done. This is what Christians do. We come here because we are called to be the display of God's splendor. You are the display of God's splendor in your family, in your school, in your workplace. And we as leaders want to help you on that journey by helping you know, live, and share Jesus. Let's pray together. So, Father, we praise you that we are so blessed that we can come to a place like this and worship and learn and laugh and be challenged and to uh, have coffee and lunches and all the stuff that we get to do here, God. We are blessed. But at the end of the day, it's not simply about what goes on in here. We come here to hear from you, to be built up by you. And God, we pray that we would be transformed by you so that we could be sent out into a world that desperately needs to know how much you love them. God, you have created us to reveal your splendor to the world. So God, I pray for all of us that you would help us this ministry season, help us to know Jesus better. And all of us have a different step that we can take with this. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal that to each and every one of us. What is that one small thing we can do this year to know Jesus better? And Lord, I pray that you would take our faithfulness and multiply it greatly. Maybe you're here today, and, or if you're watching this online, and you would say, you know what, I'm one of those people that I'm not really too sure I believe in this Jesus thing, and I'm not really too sure um, why you guys believe what you believe. And, and that's great that you're here, but I just want you to know you're not here by accident. And God loves you. God loves you. And I was an atheist for most of my adult life. And it was in my late 20s when I was reading a Bible in order to disprove the existence of God. (laughs) When the message of Jesus became real for me. And I didn't understand it either. I had no clue. But all I did on that commute to work was that I said, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for making me yours. And today, Jesus, I give you my life, and I'll follow you wherever, whenever, and I'll do whatever you want. I had no clue what I was praying, and maybe that's you today, if God is stirring in your heart to pray something just that simple. Today, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying for me. And for the rest of us who've done that, I pray that this would be an amazing and exciting season of ministry. That as you reveal God's splendor everywhere that you go, that God would bless you with great joy as you serve him. And as you follow him, as our ushers collect our tithes and our offerings, this is part of our worship to God. And if you're a guest with us today, please don't feel any obligation to give financially. I hope that today was a gift for you. But this is part of our spiritual act of worship because we are so blessed that we give to the work of God to get this message out there, to see more and more people transformed. And so as the ushers come forward, we're going to sing one last song together. And I pray that God would just really continue to stir in your heart as we worship in knowing Jesus better. Amen.